Hello and welcome to the podcast, The Road to Restoration. I'm Pastor Sergio Delamora, and I believe whether you are on the road to restoration, you've fallen off the road, or maybe you're just weary of being on the road, today's podcast is going to encourage you. Today, I had the privilege to sit down with Pastor Dave Minton from Capital Christian Center in Olympia, Washington. I've known Pastor Dave for 25 years, and I believe he's one of the key voices in my life who've helped me understand the different seasons of leadership. And today, what you're going to hear, I believe is going to change your life. Get ready. Get ready to be inspired. So let's go to the podcast, and I look forward to talking to you after. Okay, when you say God can't get past your belief system, I know I'm going to ask again on that. Can you explain that to us? Because it seems like that's a core issue. For me, it is. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world. On, not, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will. Well, how can I live in this world and not be conformed by it? I was born into a family. I had siblings. I've lived my life. How can I be here and not be shaped by it? But what God is saying is, I know you're going to be shaped by this world. But don't let this world define you. Don't let your family of origin define you. Don't let your history define you. Don't, don't let your ethnicity or your whatever it might be define you. Let me define you. And that's that belief system. But you see it all throughout Scripture that, that God honors what we choose to believe. God honors what we choose to believe. So what did they choose to believe? You hate us and you brought us out here to die in the wilderness. Okay. So you're going to die in the wilderness. And, and, and I'd say it like this. They won their argument with God. They proved that they were right. And God says, okay, you want to win an argument with me? I always tell myself, David, you never want to win an argument with God because that means you lose. Because God's always asking me to do what I don't think I can do. God's always asking me to do what I don't have the ability to do. That's the whole idea of believing in God is he's not asking me to do it for him in my own strength. He's asking me to do it with him because he wants a relationship and a partner. And if I do it with him, because that's what he says, go into all the world and I will be with you to preach the gospel. Uh, he tells Joshua, I'll be with you. And throughout scriptures, I'll be with you. God never asked us to do it for him. He wants to do it with us. So he's always going to be asking me to do what I don't think I can do. And I could tell you dozens and dozens of things that we've done as a church and as a leader that I never thought we could do. But God just needed me to say yes. And that's that faith and trusting part. Well, when I watch your life and I watch how your church has progressed and grown, it just seems like there's always something new you're doing. And so when you see a growing leader, you're asking yourself, what kind of belief system do they have? 100%. You're asking yourself, can they, how do they view adversity? Okay, give me one more. One more characteristic that you look for. There, I look for is um, commitment. Okay. You know, um, All throughout scripture, it talks about 
people who accomplish things were wholehearted, mm. made a whole a wholehearted commitment. They that they followed the Lord with their whole heart. If I follow God with a half heart, I'm going to get halfway. If I follow God with a quarter heart, I'm going to get quarter way. Everything about leadership with God requires a whole heart. If I can't be wholehearted, don't start. If I can't be all in, all in doesn't mean I'm all there. Can you explain that? Well, we often think God's asking me to do something, so I got to figure out how I'm going to do it. I got to figure out who I'm going to do it with. I'm going to figure out where I'm going to do it. I got to figure out the money. I'm gonna, and we try to figure it all out because we're trying to do it for God. And that means I'm trying to be all together. And that's not what God asks. God says, just be all in. Just give me your yes. Just be all in. And then I'll help you figure the rest out. <laughs> See, we try to figure it out because, because really we're trying to control the process. And we don't get to. That's one of the biggest discoveries I've made. It's like, David, you don't get to control the process. All you get to do is choose to follow. And choosing to follow says, God, I'm all in. But we, we, we have this 60-acre ranch that I came home in prayer one day and I'm like, before we bought it and everything that happened with it, God, I don't know how to do this. God was speaking a heart, my, and I'm complaining to God. I don't know how to do this. I don't know anything about running a, a ranch. I don't know anything around about that would be this camp. I don't know anything. about. I, that's not who I am, God. And I'm wrestling with it. And finally I said, okay, God, I'll do it. Got to the point where I just said, God, I'll do it. And in, in 27 years, we've never turned away a student because they could not afford to come. 27 years. If you if you cannot afford a student, we've the, the property is all paid for. Uh, I could go on and on about what God has done. I didn't know how to do any of it. I didn't have the money to do it. It wasn't a good time to do it but it was what God was asking. And so my all in, I wasn't all there or all together, but it's like, God, you got my attention. I'm all in. And for a leader to be successful, they have to go all in. And, and that's scary. Cause when I started capital <laughs> and I tell people don't ever do what I did unless God tells you to do it. We started January 1st. And then in February, we bought a house, our first house. In March, I had um, my second child. In March, we signed a lease on a new building. So start the church, buy a house, have a child, sign a lease on a building all within three months. And then I quit my job with 30 people to go full-time in the ministry with 30 people with a mortgage, a second child, a mortgage or lease. It was like, and I tell people don't ever do that's stupid. <laughs> that's totally stupid. But you were all in, but I was all in. And in 35 years, we've never missed a mortgage payment. We've never missed payroll. God has provided every step of the way. We've never been late on things and, and God has prospered. Talk about the, when you were frustrated about building the church. Yeah. Listen to this story. So, so there was a point in my life where um, our church was growing and we needed a new building. We needed a new property, but we couldn't find anything. 
I'm calling real estate agents and they're not even calling me back. So I'm driving by, you'd have to know the area, but I'm driving by the building that we now own, which is a movie theater on the most busiest intersection in our city. But I'm driving by and, and I'm saying, God, I just want to build your church. And the Holy Spirit speaks back to me and says, David, I never asked you to build my church. Well, and I'm like, well, then fine, God, fine. Now I'm, God and I have this kind of prayer life. I, it's, it's not pious like some people. And it's like, fine, God. It's like, then what do you want me to do? Did I miss your call? I thought all those years ago that you asked me to come and do this. And after I'm done ranting, I felt the Holy Spirit speak back to me and says, I never asked you to build my church. I said, I will build my church. You can't build my church. Only I can build my church. Oh, now I'm humbled. And I said, well, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? I just want you to go make disciples. Well, I can do that. And I said, if I can't, if I can't add a thousand people to my church, then I'll start a pastor's network and I'll find a 10 pastors and I'll help them add a hundred people to their church and I'll add a thousand people to the kingdom of God. And that's when I started my pastor's networks and my pastor's training. While this is happening in that same week, and I've made this decision, I'm going to start this training. I go into our building and this guy meets me. So you decided right there to go all in. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm all in. It's like, okay, cause I'm a strategist. That's so why I came up with a strategy. I don't know if it was the right one, but it's said, okay, I'll find 10 pastors and I'll help those 10 pastors go to their churches by, because if I can't get any more people in our building. And so when I going into church, I meet this guy at the door. And he looks almost homeless. And he goes, are you the pastor? I go, yeah. And how can I help you? He goes, well, I've got this apartment complex across the street from the church and I've got a buyer for it, but I was wondering if the church might want to buy it. I, why do we want to buy an apartment complex? And it was in not great shape, but the price was good. It was a good business deal. He sold a below market value to us. And so we ended up buying it. And it's like, okay, now we got it. Well, within days, uh, a community agency reached out to us and said, we would love to rent out your rooms for a student at risk kids program. And we will get you a grant to refurbish the building. Wow. Okay. Now remember this all, all started when I was driving by the building we're in right now. That apartment complex became the money that was the down payment on the building that I now have in one of the best places in Olympia. I'm trying to figure out how to grow the church. And God says, quit figuring out how to grow the church and pay for the bills. You just go make disciples. And so God wants to do it with us. In John chapter 12, Jesus said, my disciple must follow me. And where I am, there he will be. And he, then my father will honor him. It's in John 12. My disciple must follow me and be with me. And then my father will honor him. But in Matthew 7, it says people will come and say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not do all these wonderful things in your name? And he will say, I never knew you. You did all that for me, but I didn't ask you to do any of it. I don't know what you did and who you did it for, but you, you weren't doing it with me. The scorecard isn't what I did for God. The scorecard is I did it with God. So whether it's small or big, large or, large or tiny, 
That's not the scorecard. The scorecard is, I did it with God. Now, in Spanish, they would say, that's pesado. <laughs> that's heavy. Heavy. Convicting. Right? It's life-changing, huh? I, I, one other time in my life, talking about that holy place where God shapes you. Yeah. I'm working hard to grow the church. And we're just couple years into it. It's not really getting traction. I'm still in a gymnasium where I thought we would be in six months. It's not happening. And I'm in prayer and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, David, what you want is good. Why you want it has got to change. Can you say that again? What you want to grow my church and build the kingdom of God is good. Why you want it has got to change. Because you think if you grow it, then I will love you. You're trying to earn my approval. So David, how many people is it before you get my approval? Is it a thousand? Is it 5,000? If your heart doesn't change, David, it doesn't matter how big the church gets, you will still have the same heart problem. You'll be doing good work, but you won't be doing it with me. And I just, and then after that, then I, I realized God, you do love me. And I had to change my beliefs. That's the thing. It's not about just trying to get a Bible verse and work it into our mind. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to point out misbeliefs, false beliefs, and wrong beliefs that we have a dogma to that actually can sound noble, but they're actually hindering what God wants to do. And the Holy Spirit has to renew those thoughts. And then, and then that was when our church bought its first building. There was another big explosion of growth. So I have found as a leader, when change is happening in me, then changes happen around me. What are some of the beliefs that you've had to overcome personally? That one was a big one. Which one's that? That one that, that I needed to earn God's approval. Now, I wouldn't have said that. I would have taught, we're saved by grace. I, I knew the right answer. Yeah. That wasn't what I really believed. You believed that the size of your church determined how much God would love you. I think, no, I think it was more of, I was just trying to earn his validation. I grew up with an alcoholic father who was very absent in my life. I was the middle child. So it was kind of the forgotten kid in the family. So I just wanted to be noticed. I just wanted to be important. I wanted to have value. And I attached that to the success of the church. And God has said, no. You are important, you are valuable, and I had to change that. Powerful. Okay, what's another, another belief system? Um, when God was calling me into ministry, I was telling God he had the wrong guy because I'm falling in love with Jesus, but I'm telling God why all my reasons, why he can't use me. And the big reason I had is like, God, um, a pastor should love people, and I don't even like people because I was shy, nervous, it's like, God, I don't like being around people. I don't like people. And so it's like, God, how am I supposed to do this? It's like, I don't love, I love you. I just don't love people. I'm just being honest. It's God, how does that work? How do I become a pastor? And I felt the Holy Spirit speak back to my heart. It's like, David, um, I don't want your love. Your love is inadequate. 
I just want your yes. And then the scripture came about Romans chapter 5, and he will pour the love of God into our heart by the Holy Spirit. And that just exploded in me. I gave God my yes, and he gave me his love. And if you study scripture, some of the greatest miracles Jesus did was when he was moved with compassion. When I talked about giving birth to that ranch, it was a move of compassion. Some of the greatest things I've learned to recognize the compassion of God. And when I recognize it, there's a miracle in it. I'm glad you said that because there's one thing I want everyone um, to hear that I think what Pastor Dave said is that there's a lot of qualities a leader needs to have, right? We have the, they have to have character, yeah. competence, compatibility, yeah. culture, chemistry, these are all the C's. Yeah. But there is one that I believe we often overlook is high compassion. Yeah. Because you could be extremely competent and have no compassion. Um, you can have good chemistry with the team. You, you, you know, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. Do you know what a highly competent person is with no compassion? A highly competent leader with no compassion. You know what that is? A manipulator. They're, they have the skill set to move, take advantage, influence people, but they don't care for them. That's powerful. Because I think what happens is when we forget that everything that is done, if it's not done through the lens of compassion, then we're going to go through the lens of performance. And when you go through the lens of performance, you'll do the right thing, but do it with the wrong heart. 100%. You'll be a life group leader because Pastor Jesse and Pastor Ali said so, right? But your heart won't be for the people. It'll be because I'm a leader. I've been asked to be a leader. I've been asked to do this. So let me just do this. Instead of saying, letting my heart be so moved with compassion for people that I get to do it as a life group leader. But it's first, I have a heart of compassion for people. Then I've, they give me a title to function. But I'm always weary of people who need the title to show compassion. I'm always weary of that because so that means our compassion is limited to Sunday when everyone sees us. But during the week, if I talked to you on the phone or if I saw you at Ralph's or if I saw you at Starbucks, there is a disconnect from what I see and from what I sense from you. And that's hard. Oh, we, we, we agreed. We have public selves, private selves and core selves. And Can you say that again? We have a public self. In other words, how we relate in different contexts at the job store so we then we have a a, a a core perception of who we are how we really respond under pressure and when those two aren't the same thing there's that disconnect and and it's so crisis will reveal your core beliefs a 100 percent 100 percent i always tell people it's not your stated values it's your core values and most people don't know how to dig up their core values because your core values are what you deeply, deeply believe. And your core values 
will trump your theology every day of the week unless your core values and your theology are the same thing. Okay, explain to us core values real quick, because I know we have to finish up, but this is, this is very, very important. Every organization will put a state of values on the wall, yeah. honesty, integrity, they'll put all their values up there, but then they don't remember one of them. For somebody, somebody might say, I value honesty, but won't have an honest conversation with somebody they're in conflict with. So you would value people pleasing more than you value honesty. So the noble value is honesty, but the core value is the darker value of people pleasing. And I've got to know my real core values because many of them are not good. They're actually dark values. Like. They're, well, they can be lust, they can be greed, they can be all kinds of other things. Selfish ambition. All of that. Pride. And so under pressure, under the deepest pressure, that adversity we've been talking about, under my greatest pressure, what I really believe, my core values is what's going to come out of me. If I really believe God loves me, that's going to come out of me. If, if I doubt myself and say, God can never use me, that's going to come out of me. I often try to pay attention to what I say to myself, the mumblings that come out of my mouth when I'm under the most pressure, because that's telling me what's in my heart. I can go have, I, I can write a good confession. I can go have a good confession all day long. Uh, that, that's, that's a stated value. But when I'm under pressure, what I say under pressure, that's what I want to pay attention to. Because that's what I believe at that moment. It can change, but at that moment, that's what I'm believing. So your core values are found in pressure. They're exposed in pressure. Exposed. But, they're, but they're also exposed in, this is what a lot of people understand, your core values are usually exposed in what really bothers you. Oh. What really makes you angry. Because it's usually a call, something needs to be addressed. Something. So what, what frustrates you is what you're called to fix. Often, if you take a close look at it, because in other words, this isn't right. You're, if, it, if, it wasn't, if it didn't bother you, it wouldn't be a value. You, just, you don't even notice it. So what are three things that bother you? Um, a lack of passion. Okay. I mean... You, what does that mean? Well, you were talking about people you see and other things. I'm, I'm a very passionate person, and we only have one life to live. So it's at all in. I'm an all in kind of guy. Um, uh, drives me crazy is people who make excuses. You know, I can I can go from zero to sixty. I can get pretty hot pretty quick. When when people have a can't do attitude, I'm a high can do person. So when they have a can't do, that 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 I always have to bite my tongue. You know. So so those are those What's are. What's another thing that bothers you? Um, another thing that bothers me, you know, would be, um, you know, just ties into the other thing we're talking about is just when people don't want to continue to grow. I love, I love growing. I love dreaming. You know, I love living life to the fullest. Let me add one thing to that. No, we're trying to get done. I always try to take note. This is, this is one of the things we teach in leadership. If I can take what bothers me and learn to teach it, not as this is what bothers me, but what's the request that I'm after? Now I can teach my values. Okay, explain that. Okay, so you talk about excellence. Yes. I can walk around and be angry that things aren't in place and I can be angry. Yes. Or I can teach excellence matters to me 
Excellence means outstanding in quality. In fact, my last staff training was on excellence. And this is what excellence looks like. And I know that you would want to give this to me versus being an unsafe leader that's just mad. See, an unsafe leader, I'm not giving them the right value. My anger isn't the right value. But if I can teach, if okay, David, why am I mad? Why am I angry? Why am I fearful? Whatever, whatever's bothering me, if I can turn that into a respectful request, now people can choose whether they want to give it to me. And if they give it to me, now they join me in that all-in leadership community we were talking about. But if I can't teach it, how can they share my values? Wow. Values, Jesus taught his values, modeled his values, and invites us to join him in his values. He looks at Peter and says, do you love me? I do. Then follow me. It's going to get you killed, Peter. Follow me. It's going to get you killed. It's going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Peter says, okay. And they followed Jesus and died. Jesus was a high expectation leader. And he never was, he, he says, you, got, you want to follow me? It's going to cost you your life. Take up your cross, follow me. But it was never pressure. Jesus was never out of control. You just clearly taught his values. When people would say, we thought it was this, or we thought it was that. No, that's not my values. I'm not trying to build a kingdom on the earth. I'm not trying to do that. No, this is. And so the more I, as a leader, can, okay, what am I mad about? What am I frustrated about? And turn that into a respectful request for behavior. My life gets more of the behavior I want out of asking in respect. We're party close. All right, we're done. Okay. Would you close us in prayer? Absolutely. Dave? Father, I thank you for every one of these leaders here and online. I know that you have a plan and purpose for their life. As we've sat here, I've just felt your presence. I've felt your spirit. And I know that in each and every one of them, you created them for a good work in Christ Jesus, which you pre-prepared for them. There's a plan for their life that you want to use them. May they feel bold, confident, and clear. May they know that God loves them, God cares about them, and that God is going to help them. May they know that they are born to overcome and handle adversity well. May they find the right leaders that inspire and mentor them, and may they lead courageously in Jesus' name. Amen. I trust you enjoyed the podcast as much as I did. Pastor Dave Minton is such a great voice. I hope you were inspired. I want to encourage you to leave a comment today. Share this podcast with a friend. I genuinely believe that the road of restoration leads to the road of leadership. And today, I'd like to take this opportunity to pray with you as you continue to make decisions that will impact the lives of others. Heavenly Father, thank you today for the privilege to be able to inspire and influence the heart of leaders. Thank you for Pastor Dave Minton's leadership. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us in our conversation and inspiring the people that are listening today. I give you the glory and honor and praise for what's yet to come in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Share it with a friend. God bless you.